The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. The Chicago Bears win a wild one as they snatch a 27-23 victory directly out of the jaws of defeat in Ford Field in Detroit. I bring on Aaron Lemming to digest this crazy game and talk through the Bears' first week on this episode of Bear With Me. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron Podcasting Network. And I am tuning in with our own Aaron Lemming right now to recap an absolutely wild Bears game that played out in so many different ways amidst one 60-minute football game that I got to be honest, Aaron, it's it's 4 o'clock Central Time right now. My head is still spinning. It's hard to believe that the Bears were so close to losing not only 6 to 23, but also 27 to what would it have been? 29 on that. I guess it would have technically been 30 if they went for the extra point. But oh my word, was that a tight game, a roller coaster, and it left us so many things to talk about. How are you doing after that one? Oh man, I, it's like we were talking about before this started, man. My my body hurts, my head hurts. Like it's just, I, the difference between, because, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty big baseball fan as well. I'm a White Sox fan. The difference between a Bears game and any any baseball game, any other sporting event, really. I mean, it's just it's completely different. The emotional toll and everything else. And, of course, anybody who follows me on Twitter knows how much uh, stuff I started with Lions fans over the last week or two. So it's like it was just one of those, man, where it it, it – it was everybody has optimism going into week one. Every single fan of every single team has that optimism, and sometimes it fades quicker than others. And I mean, at one point, like you said, they were down twenty-three to six, right? And we're sitting there, and I, I'm wondering, it's like, okay, is this team just really this bad? Like maybe all these three and thirteen, four and twelve projections were right. Maybe this defense isn't going to be the same. Maybe their quarterback situation is beyond repair, and there's nothing that can be done about it. And then all of a sudden. You got a 27 to 23 game, and, and Trubisky makes a few different throws. And then, you know, at the very end of the game, Amendola makes that catch, and then DeAndre Swift promptly drops the game winning touchdown in the end zone. I felt very Jordan Howard like from a few years ago in Atlanta. I don't know it if you really did. It's, yeah. And it's, thank God. That's all I can say because it was one of those games where, at least in my mind, and maybe you're different, but I hate, and I, I mean, I, I would rather see, I would have rather have seen them get blown out or, you know, 23 to 6 be the final score than them come into the game, get all the way back, you know, have the lead, and then blow it in the final seconds of the game. To me, that feels 
a lot worse than having lost 23 to six and never really having a chance in the second half. But either way, man, I am just, I'm again, it's like, I just tweeted that out. I don't, I don't have the energy to argue the quarterback situation from a week to week standpoint right now. I'm just going to enjoy the win. This is the first time the bears have won a week one game since 2013, the first year of the Mark Trestman era. I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to have a good week. The white Sox are about to make the playoffs. Like everything's going good. Like I, I don't know. I maybe that's just too over, overly optimistic on my end, and maybe I'll you know once everything calms down, I'll go back and I'll kind of you know rewatch the game. But at this point, man, I'm just trying to enjoy it. You know, it's it, it's such a wild game, and we have to enjoy it. I mean, there's analysis to be done at a later time, but at the end of the day, the Bears got exactly what they needed out of today a win because as Mike Dickey used to say, is it in the left-hand column or is it in the right today? They stole a win. I'm not about to pretend that it was somehow a crazy convincing win, but what I will tell you, Aaron, that I think is wild. We'll get into quarterback in a second. Every single year, me, as well as plenty of other people make predictions, right? We try to guess who's going to play well, who's going to play poorly. And a lot of times, because it's our favorite team, we can be a little soft on the Bears. We can be very optimistic, right? Uh, you know what? With Juan Castillo, the offensive line, it's the same personnel, but it's going to be better. Uh, you know, Jalen Johnson, I know he's dealing with a cornerback or a shoulder issue, but he's going to be really good in his first season. You know what? Eddie Goldman's out. They're still going to be able to stifle the run. You get the idea very optimistic predictions what was really baffling to me is that in this game it felt like almost everything we could have been optimistic about ended up being right the bears ran the ball and before we say it's just because it was a bad lions team i mean hey maybe it was going all the way back to when they last seemed to run the ball in ford field against the lions in their 24 to 20 win on thanksgiving they only ran the ball for 3.8 yards per carry that day on 23 carries that's 88 yards today they ran it 28 times for 5.3 yards per clip and it sure felt like it to me did it feel that way to you the offensive line was performing running backs playing great we could talk about the defense in a second the running game really impressed me what did you think yeah, I, I thought the same exact thing, and kind of like you pointed out. I mean, when you look at Juan Castillo and the fact that the only starting, the starting spot that changed on the Bears' offensive line was Jermaine Effetti. And, I mean, Jermaine Effetti, at least from what I saw, had a pretty dang good game. And, yeah, it's one of those situations where, like you said, I mean, especially in the first half, I mean, outside of the offense actually putting together touchdowns, everything went pretty well. And I think when you look at the run game, that's a big thing, and that's something that I actually talked about on the score yesterday – there's a lot of levels to this team that can improve, especially on the offense side of the ball, and it doesn't all have to be with quarterback. Obviously, the quarterback is what's going to be, be able to bring it together, but if you can run the ball, if you can have your receivers not dropping passes all the time, the offensive line performs better, which I think by all accounts, even in terms of pass uh, blocking, did today. I mean, that the, the sack that Trubisky took, I 100% credit to him because I just think he stepped up way too late in the pocket and panicked. But, yeah, when you look at the run game, I mean, they, what they did – especially with the run game, which I really, really love to see, was it wasn't so predictable. They had Patterson in there. They had Tariq Cohen in there. Cohen actually had, a, at least the last time I checked, uh, he had pretty good yards per carry. I mean, I think it was over eight, if I remember right. And it's like David Montgomery. 5.9 yards per carry. I don't know if he fouled something up at the end of the game, but he had a longest run of 16, 5.9. That's really good. That's a really good day out of Tariq Cohen. Oh, it absolutely is. Oh, and that's and that's basically, that was a, a big thing that, Bears missed last year so I mean yeah I from an overall perspective and looking at their play calling and everything offensively like th this was a very different offense 
from every level except for the quarterback position through most of the game, realistically, at least in my opinion. What was really bizarre is, and I'll hint at some of my feelings, I could go through almost every single person on this offense and actually tell you that I think they had quite a good day. Like in the world of good, bad, or just okay, I thought Jimmy Graham was just okay. Trubisky was uh, complicated to talk about, but Anthony Miller, he he was essential. In those, in those last four minutes. Allen Robinson was the only wide receiver to catch a pass there outside of Darnell Mooney for a little bit, who in himself was impressive because rookies aren't supposed to hit the field and immediately catch 38 yards, three on three balls, is like the wide receiver number three in their first contest. Every single running back had more than four yards per carry, and the only runner that did anything poor was Allen Robinson. I mean, there was a lot to like on this Bears offense, and... If anything, I want to, you know, I want to say it was a, some kind of tale of two halves. That's easier, right? I want to say that they made adjustments. I want to say that something just started to click. But it's really bizarre looking back at this because I know I thought Matt Nagy called a heck of a game. Running game was working early and wide receivers certainly seemed to be open. And there at the end, the quarterback finally started hitting the target and the Bears put points on a, on the board in a hurry it, it was almost the most surprising unsurprising thing i had seen all game because all those clamors for what felt like two and a half hours of if only the bears had a good quarterback if only the bears had a good quarterback suddenly they did and they just swept through the lions imagine if that had been there all game yeah well i mean it's it, when you look at it in terms of the fourth quarter they had four drives and they had 21 points and i mean not to undersell anything but i mean those were a pretty easy and impressive 21 points when you look at what they were able to do they stayed balanced uh and yeah i mean it's just and that's the thing is i think we're kind of getting a glimpse inside of what the bears could look like if they have competent to good quarterback play especially in that fourth quarter i mean obviously outside of the, the one drive where trubisky took the sack and i'm sure we'll cover that but it's just one of those situations where I, I think if anything the the most troubling thing outside of maybe the quarterback position would probably be the defense side of the ball and and obviously they're missing Robert Quinn but I mean even then like you pointed out I mean Jalen Johnson had a really good game Kyle Fuller still came up with an interception I mean they still had timely plays when they needed them and I think that the Bears like like I think a lot of us have kind of thought from the beginning the Bears have too much talent to go three and 13 four and 12 they just do and I think that we're finally seeing a lot of everything else at least in one game kind of fall together and obviously, there's going to be things that need to improve. But week one is wild, man. It's just one of those situations where if you can get out of a, get out of week one with a win and and just see what happens from there. And the Bears have a pretty favorable schedule moving forward. I mean, especially these next two games, Atlanta. Um, you know, obviously, will be in week three, and then the the Giants next week. And I don't think the Giants are going to be any good. I mean, the the Bears should be in decent shape, but getting out with a win was massive. You know, it's really bizarre to say, and I said this before the show, not our show, I've said this on other podcasts, so I don't feel crazy saying it. The Bears could get out of their first six weeks 6-0. and Not likely, but it's possible. It all depends on how good uh, Tampa Bay is, because certainly the Falcons got handled, to say the least, today. The Colts lost to the team that tried to tank, uh, and Tampa Bay is the big X factor, but Carolina... They didn't look great to start the season. I didn't actually check their score. You may have, but I know that they are a very beatable team at the very least. The point here that I know is a weird one to talk through is that Mitch Trubisky played 
hero style football there at the end. I mean, the Bears needed it at the last possible second, and he drove them down the field, scored consistent points. You can't take that away from him, and I'm not about to try to. At the same time, time you know i have to talk about I, I i consider myself even kind of an analyst i have to talk about the missed opportunities in the whole rest of the game i mean the first three and a half quarters and that 28 yard fumble sack i mean there were so many mistakes trubisky's stat line the final stat line of 242 yards 104.2 quarterback rating 20 for 36 feels almost like an overselling of a very very hit and miss day that felt like it had a lot more misses even than we usually saw in 2019 he definitely earned the starting role for the giants he won the game he i mean he won the game in heroic fashion. We didn't win this game off of three defensive scores. And if it had ended 6-23, to 23, I don't know if he would be getting next week's starting job. But it will be curious going forward to, know, or to see whether we get the same pocket skittish, throws off his back foot even if he's not necessarily getting pressured, doesn't seem to find his second read, though at least he knows what a check down is now, and seems to miss guys when they are... I, I mean, some of them not incredibly open. Jimmy Graham is a great example. I will say that first throw he had to Jimmy Graham, not Trubisky's fault. I thought Tr Graham mistimed his jump there. That's just my personal opinion. But a couple of those deeper throws to, say, Allen Robinson, the one that almost tipped into an interception, there were some really, really rickety moments for Trubisky where it looked like the offense around him was really performing and playing up to the level Nagy would have liked. And I'll be interested to see which Trubisky we see going forward. And I mean, frankly, just what's going to happen at the quarterback position going forward. Well, that's kind of the thing, right, is you look at Trubisky's performance as a whole and he made some good throws. There was definitely some poor plays, I, I thought, like you pointed out, that first Jimmy Graham throw. If Jimmy Graham doesn't mistime his jump, he catches that ball, and he's probably going into the end zone. I think there was one safety that he might have had to contend with towards the goal line, but that was it. And then there was the other play that it was kind of a risky throw, but I thought Trubisky actually threaded the needle very well and hit Allen Robinson both hands, and he didn't make the catch. And that was, I think that was... Is that the one that got tipped for the interception? Because I did not see the replay of that one very well. No, well, it, it, yeah, it was almost an interception. Yeah, it was it was the one that was almost an interception. I, I can't even remember if they got a field goal out of it. I mean, this, that game was such a whirlwind. But, yeah, it, but outside of that, you take that away and you look at some of the things, even on the throw to Jimmy Graham. I mean, you look at his footwork and you look at he's throwing off of his back foot with nobody around him. And that's kind of the thing where, you know, it's all well and fine when everybody's talking about how he looks in, in camp when he doesn't have to get hit and when he's not playing, you know, another team and stuff like that. But the reality of it is, is that there's still so much up and down with Trubisky right now where, like you said, okay, he, he came back, he, he drove them down for three touchdowns. He came back, they won the game. I get it. But at the same time, you know, obviously he's going to be the starter in week two. But this is by no means closing the book on anything because, you know, yes, they won the game. Yes, they've got a favorable schedule coming up, especially these next two games. But at the same time, they're still going to need to have a better quarterback play than they've had in years past. And I think that you can make an argument that outside of that fourth quarter, and again, obviously that's just, you know, what it is right now, but outside of the fourth quarter, that was probably one of Trubisky's worst games in a Bears uniform. And obviously to be able to come back and to rebound and to do what he did and throw those three, three touchdowns, and especially after taking that sack. And I'm sure we'll get that as well. I mean, that was just that would that in itself is inexcusable the way that happened and then fumbling it and everything else. But 
that's the thing though is it, it's so up and down with him where you you have those plays where you're like wow this guy can really do a lot and then you have those plays where it's like why is he still in this game and I think we all, regardless of how big of a Trubisky supporter we are or how big of a Trubisky supporter we are not, uh, I, I think we all had those moments within the game where I think we felt both. And But I, you know what I will say, though, man? That that dime to Anthony Miller to essentially win the game, oh, my Lord, man. That was, that was a throw that he has not made very often at all, and that was one that I think even like last year you would look back on, and maybe it was just the way everything happened, but you look back on that last year, and that's a pass that either comes short or something happens, you know, and, and, and they don't yeah, win the game. It's probably too long, to be honest, because exactly. he overthrew a whole bunch of them. Exactly. Well, I mean, if you really want to get technical, go back to the, the Eagles game uh, in, the, in the playoffs two years ago where he had Anthony Miller, obviously not as close to the sideline, but a very similar play where he had him in the end zone and he overthrew him. And they ended up having to settle for the field goal, and then Cody Parkey obviously, you know, missed it, and here we are. But, yeah, it's – but, again, a very up-and-down performance. And, man, I just – I have – I have so many mixed emotions right now. I'm glad that they won. Um, but I, again, I, I guess I'll just put it this way in no, by no means, it, it's just this simple by no means did Trubisky somehow take the heat off of himself. He did a great job coming back, but there was still so much not to like. And the fact is, is going into that fourth quarter, he was well under 50% completion percentage, which is unacceptable for any quarterback in any league. Oh Yeah. Trubisky, I don't, I don't think it's fair to say that he somehow took the heat off himself. Did he get the next game? Yeah, because we didn't lose in horrific, embarrassing fashion. Because it was kind of getting there, you know. I mean, this Bears team didn't suddenly decide to put his football helmet on down six to twenty-three, and it turned out that they'd been playing games the whole time. They got the play they needed from their quarterback, and everybody else played up to that level let's not forget that on a crossing route uh with the score at 13 to 23 i know because i watched it 30 or i watched it again right before the podcast anthony miller hauled in a ball that was about two feet behind him then headed out to the sidelines anthony miller tipped a ball to himself and toe dragged his way out the sidelines mitch got the support he needed on what that touchdown drive the first one where it ended in that jimmy graham touchdown i believe this is the same drive anthony miller or not anthony miller alan robinson laid out to make a heroic catch. A lot of guys game came up huge for the Bears today. It wasn't just the play of the quarterback, but either way, it's a lot that we can put aside because while I know, Aaron, you and I could talk about opportunities, we could talk about the Jimmy Graham play that might have heard the Jimmy Graham ball that might have been about a foot too far out of his radius. I can't tell because I don't really know Graham that well. The throw to Anthony Miller that seemed to go absolutely nowhere in the first quarter, the throw to Demetrius Harris. There are so many things that we could talk about, could, but let's just chalk it up to there wasn't any preseason. We don't really know. We need more tape here in the fourth year of Mitch Trubisky's starting experience, and we'll get more with the Giants. Because I think that if there's one thing we could talk about, it's the fact that I know I made a big video out of uh, Robert Robert Quinn, Khalil Mack, and Akeem Hicks' potential rule of three pass rush, but I didn't expect Quinn's departure alone to affect the pass rush nearly as negatively as it did. It felt like Stafford kind of could do whatever he wanted, and granted, he had to do some of that rolling to his right and left, but... He didn't exactly look uncomfortable back there in the pocket, and I certainly hope that doesn't continue because we're kind of counting on pass rush here. 
Well, and I'm glad you brought that up because if if there's anything that even really worries me moving forward with this defense, it's absolutely the pass rush. I mean, let's just be honest here. I mean, the, the Bears have always been very hot and cold with Adrian Peterson. I mean, the dude just always had a number, even going back to Minnesota. I mean, it is what it is. I'm not going to worry too much about that. I think for you know for the majority of his runs, they did a pretty good job bottling him up. But again, when you have Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack on the defensive line, and you get one sack the entire game. And you—I mean—they barely had any quarterback hits, and that's that—that that is to me more troubling because they weren't even really getting to him. And that's—that's that's the thing is when you look at the Bears secondary, especially right. You look at a guy in Kyle Fuller who actually had a down year last year. I know a lot of people like to to blame Amukamara. They like to blame Buster Screen. They like to blame all sorts of people. Ha ha, Clinton Dix. The reality of it is is. Kyle Fuller had a down year last year. I mean, his his quarterback, uh, you know, basically the quarterback rating that he gave up was almost 100 last year. I mean, that that just goes to show you he was not the same corner that he was in 2018. Okay, fine. Obviously had some good plays today. You have Jalen Johnson as a rookie. You got Buster Screen. Then you got another rotating safety in there in terms of Tashawn Gibson with uh, with Eddie Jackson. But all of that kind of takes a back seat if you have a pass rush. And they didn't have that today. And we already know that they're missing Eddie Goldman. We already know that their their run defense is probably going to take a hit. And we saw that at mo- multiple moments today where it looked like Adrian Peterson was going to be bottled up behind the line of scrimmage or right at the line of scrimmage and somehow burst through a tiny hole. And he's not a tiny human being by any means. And, you know, he burst through a tiny hole and he'd come up with 20, 25 yards. And that is where the bigger concern is for me moving forward. And, again, it's, it's more of – Let's see what happens after week one. Week one's weird, but you have to have more pass rush. I mean, you have that's kind of the thing. Like, we can sit here and talk about how much the offense has improved in multiple areas and whatever, and even get better quarterback play. But the reality of it is, is if if everything on the offensive side improves, if the defense takes a step back and they can't get to the quarterback, much like they couldn't last year, and they turn into a bend don't break defense with not very many uh, turnovers and takeaways and, and touchdowns and all that fun stuff, then the Bears are going to struggle again this year to win games consistently. And, uh, you know, again, I mean, there's there's a lot of good defenses on a, on a yearly basis in week one who don't come out and they don't, you know, they come out and they don't look very good. I, you know, maybe that's what it ends up being. But as of right now, I mean, if anything, that is my bigger concern because the quarterback situation can change. If Trubisky continues to struggle, you can bring in Foles. You hope that that fixes something one way or another. There's there's changeable ways there. But with the defense, you have so much money sunk in on Khalil Mack. You have so much money sunk in on Akeem Hicks, Kyle Fuller, Eddie Jackson. They cannot perform like that, and they cannot. And that's the other thing that we saw, at least that I saw, and I'm, I'm sure you would probably echo this as well. They couldn't get off the down. They couldn't get off the field on key third down situations, which is something that happened a lot to them last year because, again, a lack of pass rush. I mean, Matt Stafford's a really good quarterback. I slam a lot on the lines. I love Matt Stafford. I think Matt Stafford is one of the better quarterbacks in the league, and I think he's gotten the short end of the stick being with the Detroit Lions. You cannot give that guy all that pre- all that time back there with no pressure, and that's just something moving forward that. If the Bears are going to become that dominant defense again like they did in 2018 under Vic Fangio, they have to get to the quarterback. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. I don't care who they have back in the secondary. I don't care who they have at linebacker. If their pass rush is not getting home, they're in trouble. I think you said that really well because what you talked about is there's no way they're going to be dominant without the pass rush. That is the difference, don't you think? It's They could be a good defense without the pass rush, but it's that pass rush that will really allow them to 
dominate. What really worries me, and I don't want to spin up Bears fans too much because certainly I haven't gone back and looked back at the tape, but the Bear, the Detroit Lions were without their starting right tackle, if I understand it, Vitae, and it felt like Khalil Mack, even still in one-on-one situations, just wasn't getting the pressure that you would expect of a guy that if you asked almost any Bears fan, they'll tell you he's the best pass rusher in the league. I, I want him to do more. I think Khalil Mack's a monster, and he's somebody that in a defensive scenario where we are we are counting on Jalen Johnson, we're looking to Kyle Fuller, we need Eddie Jackson to play up to their potential, you need Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks to be those difference makers. But interior defensive linemen, not only do they struggle a bit coming off of re-injury, but let's be honest, Akeem Hicks played out of his mind in 2018. It's always tough to ask for a defensive player, I think, to match their best season ever, where they were just one of the best players in the NFL when they haven't been for the rest of their career. Akeem Hicks is a fabulous player. I am not coming down on him. And when he's at his best, he is unbelievable. But Khalil Mack has been that elite, elite, elite pass rusher for his entire career. And I think all the Bears need is for that guy to show up on a couple more Sundays because, and I'll hint at this, Danny Trevathan looks like he's losing a little bit of his luster, and that breaks my heart, but the only way you're going to be able to help those inside linebackers when they're covering tight ends is if you can get to that quarterback a little bit quicker. Well, and and that's, I mean, I, I think you nailed it with Trevathan because he had a terrible game, especially playing coverage, and that is something that is really, really going to sting. And I, I got some crap, and I was actually kind of surprised, and I mean, I don't know how you feel, but... I was actually hoping that they were going to re-sign Nick Lukowski. I, I like Danny Trevathan. I, I mean, he's a he's a good player. He's a great dude. He's a great leader. But the reality of it is, is he's also in his 30s now. And he has not stayed healthy. And at least with Kukowski, I think there was still some upside there. I mean, he was in, granted, I don't know what he did today, but he was a, uh, you know, he was a captain for the Raiders in his first year. And it's, it's one of those things where it's going to hurt that much more if Trevathan just falls off the cliff because he signed a three-year extension and, you know, let's be real here. It was a four. What did it end up? It was a three-year extension that ended up being like five because of the deferrals or not. It's got two void years in it, I think. And, but, but again, I mean, you're talking about basically a fully guaranteed, essentially a fully guaranteed three-year deal. And again, there's, there's no reason to panic quite yet. I mean, we saw Roquan Smith have that issue at times last year where he looked a little slow and he just looked bad in coverage. And hopefully that's all it is. But man, if, if Danny Trevathan, after they just got done paying him, um, especially the kind of money that they just got done paying him, if he ends up losing a step or two, Man, the Bears are in some trouble, especially with that, or the defense is in trouble, especially with the lack of depth that they have at outside linebacker or inside linebacker right now. I mean, just, I mean, Josh Wood and Woods and Iggy. I mean, that's you're you're already gambling as is, uh, but. I'm hoping that was just a simple situation. And I guess that's kind of the other thing to keep in mind for all of us right now is that, I mean, we were watching a team. We were watching two teams. We've been watching teams all weekend and, and right now as it's going on that had no preseason, that had basically four weeks of practice and a, basically a three-week training camp. And this last week has been getting ready for week one. So a lot of these guys are still kind of getting their legs under them. And I understand that. I really hope that that's all that was with Trevathan because, you know, you, especially after you pay a veteran like that, like you've got to have that kind of output. And especially for essentially three years guaranteed, like you pretty much got with the, with the way that that structures out, you gotta, you gotta have more from him. And I mean, ultimately 
you got to have more for the entire defense, you know. And, uh, again, I'm not overly panicked yet, but the defense showed some signs today where it was like, this is not – there there were a lot of signs that they were the same way last year where it was just simply not the same defense that we saw in 2018 under Vic Fangio. And that – the defense has got to be the steady thing throughout this entire year. The defense has got to be the thing that keeps them in games and sometimes the thing that, that wins them games. Because let's be real, today the defense did not win in that game – Mitchell Trubisky in the offense in a last-ditch effort won them that game. That's pretty weird to say because Trubisky in years past has not won them a lot of games. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. You know, I'll challenge you on that if only because, not that the defense won them the game, but I don't think they're able to win without that Jalen Johnson forced interception. That was the moment where I really started to sit forward in my chair and say, oh, holy crap, they may pull this out of the fire. But that's I think that even better typifies this whole experience, right? The Bears were almost, you would, you would almost look at this and you would almost say that the football gods declared the Bears were too good a team to lose to a Lions team that wasn't even fielding Kenny Galladay or its top two or, th- what, three best cornerbacks? I mean, the Lions were not just the Lions. They were the depleted version of the Lions, and yet they almost steamrolled us. It was a collective effort that brought them back into the game, and an incredible one. I mean, that's one that'll get shown and shown and shown and shown and shown and in fact i think that would officially put the death knell on that what is it the lions hashtag like we own the bears yet not anymore not after you blow a six to 23 lead but it was such a strange experience because the defense started to seem like it was underperforming and the offense in particular was overperforming so much it made me remember aaron what the goal originally seemed to be back in 2018 i'm sure you remember it in 2018 the plan was to set everything up around a future offensive team that was going to have to be a defensive team for one year 2018 Then Trubisky started to slide. Matt Nagy and the offense all took a step back. A lot of criticism. We don't need to live through the nightmare year that was 2019 again. But the point is, in 2020, it seemed as if Pace and the rest of the organization said, "Uh, never mind, we're not ready to be an offensive team yet. We're going to be a defensive team again. But this is the moment when the offense was supposed to be stepping forward. This is the moment when the offense was going to start needing to float the team's boat a little bit more. So the defense taking a step back due to guys like Trevathan not living up to expectations, I... I'm disappointed, but not surprised. I think that's the best way I could put it. Kutowski, for instance, just as a a player, kind of had me spooked because he'd been so bad in coverage for his first three years as a linebacker that when he was suddenly pretty good in coverage, I I almost couldn't believe it. I kind of kept rubbing my eyes. But even so, Father Time gets everybody eventually, and it sure looked today like it had Danny Trevathan right where it wanted him. And it's not a great thing to see. Hopefully it was just a one game issue or something. Yeah. And, and I agree. I mean, obviously it's, it's all, and that's the thing. Week one is so wild. You know, you, it, it's hard to go from a week to week basis anyway, but when you're talking week one, it, there's just a lot of weird things that happen. 
good this for this defense is they were without one of their better players in Robert Quinn, and that's going to be huge for them moving forward. And I think that's where the jump up in the pass rush is going to is going to come. And you know, to uh, to the, the the team's credit in terms of uh, depth, Barkevius Mingo actually had a pretty solid game. Again, he's not a pass rusher. Obviously, a former number one or a former, uh, you know, first round pick. OK, all that. But I mean, he was not bad. I mean, I, I was actually pleasantly surprised on a few different plays that he made. But yeah, and that's the, But again, that's kind of the thing, right, is you, you got to get Robert Quinn back. There was some talk, at least that I saw earlier on the timeline on Twitter timeline. It was basically saying something along the lines of it looked like Robert Quinn wanted to play this week, but they kind of played it safe because, again, you can't go week to week here. You can't put too much value on one week over the other, especially this early in the season. And the reality of it is, is if, uh, you know, if if Quinn had any um, real, you know, issue with re-injuring or making things worse, then you don't want to play because it's one week. You can rebound from that. Luckily, they got the win. Hopefully, he'll be back next week. Uh, and that's kind of the same thing with David Montgomery, where I know a lot of us were spooked, and I was kind of the same way, where I'm like, I don't know if I want to see David Montgomery playing. But then you start seeing some of the information come out about these grade one, grade two, grade three strains that kind of like what he had. And you say, oh, OK, well, the chances of re-injuring is under 10 percent. It's like at that point, yeah, you roll the dice. And I'll be completely honest with you. I if if we didn't know that David Montgomery had an injury, I would have never in a million years knew that he had an injury. He actually, I mean, he didn't look anything special today, but he looked pretty dang good. But yeah, it's man, it, it's again, there, there's so much to process from this game because it wasn't, it wasn't like you said. You could say it was a tale of two halves, but. In some ways it was, and in some ways it wasn't, because the first half was pretty mellow for the most part. You kind of felt like the game may have been slipping away a little bit from the Bears at the end of the end of the second quarter. But then, you know, it, it wasn't like they were terrible in the first half and great in the second half. I mean, there was just so many pocket moments within that game where it felt like the game got away from the Bears. Then all of a sudden they started making the comeback, and then all of a sudden at the very end it felt like the game were, was going to get away from them in the final seconds. And luckily DeAndre Swift dropped it. So again, I I mean. I'm probably going to continue to repeat myself here, but at this point, the only real important thing that matters is this. The Bears are 1-0. They have, again, a favorable schedule moving forward. There's obviously some clear issues that they need to figure out. But again, judging too much off of week one, one way or another, this is, you know, I'm not going to say this is a playoff team. I'm not going to say this is a bad team. Uh, but getting that week one win like that with some of the players, some of the teams that they have on their schedule coming up, I think is a very big benefit. And this is a game, at least in my opinion, looking at the schedule, that they needed to win, especially if they want a shot. Even for one of the later wild card, there's an extra wild card spot this year. If they want to get in the wild card spot, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to win games like this, and they're gonna have to steal these kind of games. Oh yeah, I mean, let's just lay it all out there, right? The Bears need about four wins in their first six games so that they can try to split that gauntlet of games that they have in the middle against, what is it, like L.A. through Green Bay with the Titans and the Saints and the Vikings in there, though. Who knows? Maybe the Vikings are going to be a little bit easier to beat than we thought. But the point is, is that every single win counts. And regardless of whether or not Trubisky played well, leave it at the door for crying out loud. They yanked a win out of it, and that is such a big deal. The person who I don't think is going to get enough credit but needs a tip of the hat here is Matt Nagy. I'm amazed the team kept fighting. I'm amazed because as a fan, I gave up. 
I didn't think there was any way that down six to 23, the bears were going to be able to pull it out, especially after the touchdown that had it, what 13 to 23, that fumble. I thought the game was over. It was just a matter of the lions executing, but the team kept believing Jalen Johnson made a play. Javon Wims came up when his number was called Trubisky delivered. Uh, Anthony Miller hauls in that late touchdown pass and Jalen Johnson again, deflects a pass there at the end after Swift kind of drops a gift that I think you, nailed it it is really really reminiscent of that bears versus falcons game back with mike glennon and jordan howard either way this is one of those weird games that i look at and i think what i'm most excited to see is that the offense looked like it had an identity it looked from a play calling and play execution perspective more like the 2018 offense than it did the 2019 offense it felt like there were yards to be gained here. You know what I mean? Where the 2019 offense, it felt like there was just no point. I mean, just walk out there and punt on second down. We're not going to move the ball. Let's just, I don't know. We don't really know what we're doing here. 2020 so far felt like they were a dynamic running team that had multiple different running threats. They could squeeze the ball up the middle with Tariq Cohen, or they could let him run it outside. Same with Cordero Patterson, same with David Montgomery. When they wanted to throw it, they could. When they wanted to use play action, they could do so because they had a running game. And so many other things that from a scheme perspective, I could look at it and say that was a really well-schemed game. And I know the lines are depleted. We talked about that already. They were kind of doing it against a team that didn't have near the defensive weapons that they used to and frankly is known for the Bears gaining a lot of yardage and playing some of their best football against them. Even so, I thought they looked drastically better than they did in all throughout 2019. I see that as a huge plus out of week one of 2020. Win is a win is a win is a win, man. It's just that's really what it comes down to. Like, and that's the thing is, you know, you, you can make excuses, but at the same time, I mean, the Bears can have excuses too. And and the reality of it is, is it's like they had a quarterback competition that they basically got three weeks out of before they had to make a decision. They had their, I think it was actually the second highest paid free agent out of this entire free agent pool this off season. And Robert Quinn didn't play the game. You know, obviously there's there's injuries on both sides. There's different things that happen. And, and I'm sure I'll fight that battle with Lions Twitter throughout the week. But the reality of it is, is they won the game. And sometimes that's really all it comes down to is being able to win those type of games. And it, again, it wasn't overly pretty and, you know, it was exciting at the end. And frankly, I, I could definitely use one of those games next week where maybe it's not nearly as exciting. And maybe the Bears just handle business. But <laughs> either way, I mean, it's just and you kind of pointed it out with the with the run game and stuff like in Matt Nagy keeping his team together. But I thought Matt Nagy as a whole actually called a very good game today offensively, because even if you look at it, even when the Bears are down 23 to six, they didn't go, okay, Trubisky's going to throw the ball 80 times. Like it, it was, there, was, there was still balance within the run game to set up the pass and to do different things. And that's, that's something that, to me, is big moving forward. Because like you said, I mean, there's, there's improvements to make out of the offense. I mean, 2019 Bears offense looked a hell of a lot like John Fox's offense, where, like you said, I mean, you might as well just punt the ball, and every once in a while you're going to get lucky and – and see what happens. But this year they were able to keep to the run game, which I thought uh, today they were able to keep to the run game, which I thought was big. And their creativity within their plays was also something there was not a lot of predictability. And even when it was obvious run situations, they were still pretty productive. So I think there's a lot of things to be optimistic about offensively in terms of what you're looking at 
uh, whether it's the run game, whether it's passing, because it's like, you know, it was it was one of those situations where Anthony Miller had a nice game. Obviously, Allen Robinson had a nice game. Jimmy Graham flashed. Uh, same thing with Darnell Mooney. I mean, they still have other players on that offense. Cole Komet didn't touch the ball today. Uh, this is the same thing with Ted Ginn Jr. I mean, they have, I mean, Tariq Cohen wasn't really a big factor out of the passing game either. Like, there's still multiple levels to this offense and different things and different ways that they can get creative. And I'm hoping that Matt Nagy will stick to a almost a run-first type philosophy where he is using, even if you look at the overall play-call balance and you say, okay, that you know they threw the ball more than they ran, that's fine. But when you really look at what they were able to do and how they were setting things up, the running game was setting everything else up. And I think that's going to be big because especially with time of possession and stuff like that, for a defense that it looks like it's going to take a little bit to kind of get their – get their uh you know feet under them right now i mean it just being able to control the game and again even going back and when you look at those first few drives of the game it wasn't like the bears were well they had the one three and out i guess to start start out the game but outside of that i mean they were moving the ball down the field it wasn't it wasn't an issue like it was in 2019 where it was just three and out and punt three and out and punt and get three yards and punt it, they were moving the ball down the field getting through to the line side of the ball or side of the field there was a lot of good things to like about it. Again, obviously, a lot of this is going to come down to what happens with the quarterback situation. But I think we at least got a little bit of a glimpse what can happen with this team if they have good quarterback play. And I will say outside of that one, the sack, even with that drive, I mean, outside of that sack and when things kind of fell apart with them, uh, I mean, those last four drives were were a pretty good glimpse into what could be. And obviously, that's probably a best-case scenario type situation. But that best-case scenario is a hell of a lot better than anything that we saw in 2019. So I will absolutely take it. And I think that there's something to go on moving forward that can at least give us a little bit of optimism that maybe the offense can be just good enough and do just enough to make them a playoff team and make them a threat again. Absolutely. If there's one thing that I will say that I liked the most about this game is that Matt Nagy called what I think was the perfect sink or swim game plan. There was no point at which he stopped believing in his quarterback. And you could tell because he kept asking him to make some, you could call them tough, but a lot of NFL quarterbacks wouldn't call them crazy NFL throws. Throws downfield, like the lofting ball to Demetrius Harris, that fourth down and seven where they went for it from the 35 and Ted Ginn had a crossing route over the middle that was, I mean, it was wide open. And all Trubisky needed to do was hit the target. He didn't. They failed on fourth down. The point isn't to shame Trubisky here. The point is to say that Matt Nagy didn't let go of the game that he wanted to call. He didn't get phased by the struggles of his young quarterback. And at the end of the game, those same, let's call them big boy throws, Trubisky started swimming. He was sinking early in the game. He started swimming at the end. The Bears scored points in a hurry, and at no point did the Bears offense just turtle up out of, I don't know, fear that their quarterback wasn't going to be able to get the job done. It, this was awesome. I mean, it was it was wild. I, I look at it. I personally think that it was a great job from the coach. I'm not trying to take anything away from Mitch Trubisky. It's more to say that there were a lot of ways that you could have screwed that up as a coach. If they'd try to run their way to, let's say, 20 points, well, they still lose because then it would have been 20 to 23. He kept putting the ball in the hands of his quarterback. He kept calling the plays that he knew would get guys open. He trusted his quarterback to make those throws. And at the very last possible second, even after that nasty sack fumble, he did. The Bears won. And that's 
that's about the story of this roller coaster football game. I feel like defense certainly came away with some things to work on. Offense gave us more po positive surprise than we expected. And at the end of the day, we'll look back at this in two months and say, hey, remember when the Bears won that game? Because they did. And that's what counts. Absolutely. And, and I think, not again, not to put too much importance on one single game, but man, like you said, I mean, we could look back here in a few months and this could this could be one of those games where, like I said, Ed, by all accounts, they should have lost. Going into the game, I thought they were going to win, but by all accounts, with the way that the, the game developed and, and things happened, I mean, when you're down 23 to 6 going into the fourth quarter, you should not win that game. I mean, it's just as simple as that. So this very well could be one of those games where we look back in two or three months from now when they're in the middle of hopefully a playoff race and look and say that game right there helps because I mean, obviously way too early. I'm not saying the bears are going to make the playoffs, but when you look at the playoff race and you look at tiebreakers, divisional and conference games are huge within tiebreakers. And it could come down to a situation where for that seventh seed, let's just hypothetically speaking for a seventh seed where maybe they're tied with, uh, you know, another team at nine and seven and they, they have to have that conference tiebreaker. And that's, that's what that will come down to. Or let's just say that, Maybe things get really tight towards the end of the season and they, you know, let's just say they're that they're able to win the division and it comes down. That's the kind of game that will it will come down to. You know, obviously I'm not demeaning any win over any other win, but when you look at an AFC win versus an NFC win, you always take the NFC win because that's the kind of stuff that will help you later on down the line. But as a whole this was one of those games that I think the Bears could have won in 2018, but there's no way that the Bears are winning this kind of game uh, 2019. I think that alone, again, it's week one, crazy stuff happens, but that alone should give Bears fans some optimism that even when it feels like they're down and out, they're not down and out, and they have enough of a chance to come back and win. It's, it's almost kind of like what happened uh, in 2018 when they had the Patriots game, when they came all the way back and Kevin White was a yard away from the end zone from being able to tie it. Obviously, somewhat of a different situation, but that's the kind of game where you probably shouldn't win it. And obviously in that situation, they, they didn't, but the bears had just enough breaks go their way. And the reality of it is that tipped interception was huge, but obviously the Deandre Swift drop in the end zone was also huge. They just had enough go their way today to get the win. And those are the kind of wins that you look back on at the end of the year. And you're like, man, that was defining. Absolutely. And just like, I mean, I, you kind of make a case and it reminds me of if you if you watch any hockey, Aaron, behind about half the great saves that get posted on the Internet, there exists also a slightly lacking shot. The kinds where somebody shoots into the middle of the open net instead of the top right corner and the goalie is able to snag it with a stick or something. The point here is, is that the Bears got to win and who cares how much the Lions helped them get it at this point. It goes in the books as a win. Nobody takes that away from them. We still get to keep all the evaluation tools. We know what Trubisky did. We know what the defense did. We know where they need to improve. We can break all that down later. At the end of the day, they won the football game. And it feels very Lions to me that they frittered away what ought to have been a win about three different times throughout the game. But hey, that's that's who they've always been as long as I've been a Bears fan. And I'm glad that we're the ones who got to benefit from it this time. Absolutely. I, I'm right there with you, man. I mean, it's again, and I just keep repeating myself, this this is just a win is a win. It doesn't matter how it happens. It's a divisional win. It's a conference win. It's a, it's a win in week one, which hasn't happened since 2013. 
it's like I'm sitting here watching the the, the Saints and, and Bucks right now. It's like you know everybody thought that the Buccaneers were going to be this great team, and they could, still could be, but they're down 17-7. They're about to go on halftime down 17-7 to the Saints. And the Saints are a team that when you talk about week one being weird, man, the Saints are a team that they somehow lose week one more often than they don't, and it's never made any sense to me. So, again, I man, and just kind of go back a little further, I mean, just with all the COVID stuff, I mean, if you look back on this when the offseason first started, I think there was a lot of doubt to whether the season was going to happen and whether we'd even get to week one or if week one would happen in September the way it was supposed to, if it would get pushed back. I mean, just the fact that we're able to watch football again, just that we're able to actually enjoy a Bears win after everything that's happened this year is outstanding. And who knows? I mean, it, it, this season still could go either way because this wasn't really a uh, you know one of those wins where you're like, oh, man, this team might be really good or, oh, wow, this team might be really bad. But Either way, I mean, this is the kind of win, especially in week one. You enjoy the hell out of it. They don't play again until next Sunday. And, you know, I think this is going to be a very interesting game, more, uh, you know, more frank to, you know, to be about it, where this is going to be a very interesting one to go back and rewatch probably multiple times because there is multiple levels to this game um, that I, I don't think, especially me, I, I'm a very emotional sports watcher. And sometimes I have the, uh, you know, ability to kind of sit there and zone in on too many things or let too much go by. Like, I'm going to be very interested to take the emotion out of this game and go back and rewatch objectively and really just see, you know, the multiple aspects of what have, what happened. How bad was the defense? You know, how bad was Trubisky's first three quarters? How good was Jalen Johnson? How good was some, some of these other guys? Just really kind of get a, a, a even better perspective on how the game went because, Again, there were just multiple levels to this, but thank God that they won, especially for me uh, on Twitter, man. I could not have dealt with uh, the uh, the craziness that would have ensued if the Lions would have won this game after as much as I said. Thank goodness they pulled it out then. Aaron, it has been fabulous digesting this game with you. Where can folks find you online? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL, and then you can also read my work uh, at the Windy City Gridiron, and then all, also uh, at thebearreport.com as well. So and those are the the two, or I guess the three main places. I mean, I, I guess I probably do the majority of my work on uh, you know on Twitter and stuff like that. Which you know what's also crazy, and I'm sure you're in the same exact boat. We get to write about this game now. We get to actually, like, we are in full season mode where we actually get to write about things that isn't speculation and isn't about trying to project things. Like, we actually just get to, I, you know, I, I'm excited. I, I couldn't be any more excited. We don't have to think about COVID too much. Not saying the pandemic's not happening. I'm saying the season is on. We get a game next week. We get to be thinking about the usual football that we would on any other year, and it's a really nice return to normalcy. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on. It was a blast having you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again for having me on. I appreciate it. And Bears fans, that's going to do it for this week's show. What a wild football game it was, and I couldn't be more excited that the Bears came away with the win, even if it was, let's call it a stranger path than I would have expected that ended up getting them there. I'm excited to dive into the film and try to come up with a breakdown video for you about some different thoughts on this game, but we'll get there when we get there. If you like what I have to say, feel free to follow me over on Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz, that's R-O-B-E-R-T-K-S-C-H-M-I-T-Z, and check back later this week on my YouTube channel, Run Pass Opinion, for some kind of breakdown piece relating to this game. And be sure to follow Aaron, though I'm sure you already are if you know any 
anything about the Bears. He is one of the best there is on Bears Twitter. That's all I've got for you today, Bears fans. So until next time, bear down, and thanks so much for bearing with me.